0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm your other host,
1: Dungeon Master Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I have to tell myself every time we do this intro, don't interrupt him to say killing characters. Don't interrupt him to say killing (laughs) characters.
0: Uh, Today we have a great episode. We are continuing in our Raw Real Monsters series, and today we are looking at the monster that you, the Patreon Dragons, voted on, the Kuatoa. This is going to be a fun episode. Kuatoa are absolutely crazy, so we're going to be able to discuss them and share about ideas we have for them and ways that DMs can use them in their campaigns. But Neil, before we do that, we have a five-star review. We do, and it's
1: from Mags the Gamer. And it's five stars, and they titled it Fantastically Reinvigorating. I've played d and or Pathfinder for years. About a year ago, my best friend and dungeon master died quite suddenly. He had been bugging me for years to write my own campaign, and had been my main source of ideas and sounding board. Since his passing, getting into a game, and especially getting into writing a game again, has been extremely hard. I only found your podcast about a week ago, but already I find myself with inspiration to write again. Thank you. Having the fire to play again is actually helping me find closure and complete this massive work of art that I want to open for our friends. You guys are fantastic.
0: Man, I remember reading that one early and uh, those are the kind of reviews that That helped fuel my fire to be able to continue to podcast. Thank you so much, Mags the Gamer. Uh, we really, really appreciate that review.
1: Yeah, we could have one million listeners or one listener like that, and I would be just as happy with both.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, let's let's keep doing what he wants us to do. Let's head to the meet. (laughs) Ha ha! I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Yeah.
1: Why can't we have some meats? The like meat back on the menu, boys. So for the meat today, as we already mentioned, we're going to be talking about Kuwatoa and all of the craziness that is that wonderful race that has been plaguing us since the late 70s. And all of the fun stuff <laughs> that you can do with them in the water and out of the water.
0: I think one of the first things to just talk about with the Kuwatoa is that they are completely one of the foundations of that creature, the Kuwatoa is their insanity. The fact that because they were brought into slavery by none other than the Mind Flayers many years ago that their simple minds could not handle the constant psionic barrages and intrusions of the mind flayers and this literally drove their people insane it drove them into madness
1: i think this is why they've had the alignment of neutral evil for ever uh since like i said they were included in some modules in the late 70s by gary Gagax himself and ever since then every edition from then till now they have been neutral evil and i think that that can definitely present itself as insanity. They're going to do bad things, but they don't really care who they happen to or how they happen. It's just
0: fun. <laughs> well, to me, that usually harkens to chaotic evil, but there's another aspect of them that adds in some lawfulness to their society. We'll, we'll talk about that later on because it, it comes from their madness itself. But to me, like I love the fact that They were slaves to the mind flayers and were driven mad to the point that not just the people, the Kuotoa themselves that were in slavery to the mind flayers, but like it carried on into future generations. That's how broken their minds were, that it became like a genetic thing that they were just going to be crazy for the rest of time.
1: Yeah. And some of the history that I looked up was that not only were they corrupted by mind flayers, but they were originally just pushed into the ocean by other you know, land-based races. So, I mean, you've already got that. Like, you know, poor poor Kuitoa. Oh,
0: gosh. I know. it's such, like, If you run into them now, it's not going to be like, oh, poor Kuotoa, <laughs> It's going to be like, oh, gosh, what are these crazy creatures? But, like, yeah, it's like a sad beginning to where they derived from. I wonder, and that would be interesting. Like, I'd be interested to play in a campaign in a world where the Kuotoa haven't hit this point in history yet. Like, maybe they were, like, a peaceful people before. Maybe that they weren't evil. Maybe they weren't people like this. It wasn't even just the fact that they weren't crazy, but they weren't evil. Maybe they were good. Maybe they wanted to do good. Maybe they just wanted to be left alone. And that even makes it more of a sad origin.
1: Poor, poor Kuotoa. Well, the other thing was that. So when I mentioned it, they're being driven down. That was kind of the original. And now I feel like they have more of somewhat of like a Lovecraftian feel to them. I mean, these deep ones and all these crazy things with even crazier things that they hearken back to. Yes.
0: One of the things that I really like about the Kuatoa is an actual attribute of them is that they have the attribute otherworldly perception, which says that the Kuatoa can sense the presence of any creature within 30 feet of it that is invisible or on the ethereal plane. It can pinpoint such a creature that is moving. I like this because, to me, I I imagine that this is a byproduct, like a positive byproduct of their insanity. That they've developed such a paranoia, such a sense of (laughs) being able to figure out that something is wrong, something is different, something is otherworldly near them, that... It doesn't say that they can see something that's invisible or see something that's on the ethereal plane. It says that they can know that it's there. They can pinpoint where it is at. So it's basically, to me, I I imagine it's not sight. It's based on other forms of perception. But that still is an amazing feature for an entire race to be able to have.
1: A lot of kind of vision-based things, again, through every edition. And the one that they have term you yeah, have a term for is keen sight i know they have in fifth edition where they have advantage on all wisdom perception checks um, so just yeah like this general ability to see more than other creatures would typically see they also have giant fish eyes so it might just be that who knows <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think when you're using a kuatoa as a dm If you're using them in combat, you want to take this driven into madness attribute and you want to have it reflected in the combat of these creatures. It's not to say that these creatures can't be smart about using tactics that make it difficult for your PCs to prevail in combat, but I don't know if I would make every aspect of them in combat makes sense i think that i would go for the fact that they would do things that is just ludicrous and crazy and would possibly just throw your pcs off because they wouldn't understand what their goal is in all of their actions
1: yeah if you check out the dungeons and dragons wiki the and i don't know where all this information comes from so it could be totally made up but it sounds good, so it's probably right. Just the crazy tactics that they use during combat, like having slippery skin, somehow working together to have lightning. Again, having that extra sensory sight, and then also working together, which I think is another really important aspect of both the craziness and just Koatoa in general. It's I would think it rare to find just one. They get to be crazy together and then attack you. <laughs>
0: Speaking of just finding one though, if you want a good demonstration of the madness of a Kuwatoa and this DM certainly went over the top with the madness, there is an acquisitions incorporated where Chris Perkins has a Kuo-Toa that the group of adventures meets, but it he just he just goes into the absolute craziness and making goofy sound effects and there is no reasoning with this creature. Yeah, it is awesome. it is absolutely insane.
1: So some of that insanity like I had mentioned earlier comes from more of this approach that they're like the deep ones from H.P. Lovecraft and that is <laughs> insanity abounds when <laughs> whenever you mention the word Lovecraft and so they're actually tied back to Dagon one of the deities from H.P. Lovecraft but not only that they are also tied back to the terrifying sea mother oh yes bill Bilb Bilbdul Poop. dual Poop. So we will
0: Oh man. Their names. Their names are amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is weird. She has like lobster arms and a lobster head. We could just say Sea Mother, because then I can remember that. Oh no. We we can say whatever we want. It's a ridiculous name. Nobody out there's anybody who tries to correct us on the phonetical way of saying Bilbdul Ploop is uh ridiculous. They can get out of here.
1: The Sea Mother has a lobster head and lobster arms and is just all around terrifying and continues to make the Kuatoa even more terrifying because she also assists in creating the Kuatoan Leviathan.
0: Oh yes, I was so, hoping yeah, we so talked about that. So even
1: more falling into that kind of deep ones and what's under the <laughs> under the sea and <laughs> All of just the creepy craziness
0: yeah to me this is this is the the greatest aspect of the Toa's madness is that they have been driven into madness so much that they have created their own gods to protect them from whatever threats there are in the world around them to me, like this in my mind makes me think that if I was having a adventuring party meet a kuatoa clan or group or tribe or whatever they would be considered like every single one of them is going to have a different god that they've created and if they've had interactions with other kuatoa societies then maybe that's carried over and then they have a multitude of gods but here's the thing if you have a group of insane people creating a god that god is going to be even more insane than the people themselves these gods will have insane rules insane laws insane powers for their people to to fear and laws to follow and it's just going to make society even more of a madhouse
1: so good so the sea mother her her insanity is based completely on the fact that she hates the surface world for pushing the Kuatoa into the ocean. So it's just this deep-seated hatred. And so essentially it's just millennia of revenge being plotted. Which, I mean, years of revenge being plotted will mess up a normal human. So I assume millennia will destroy the mind of a god and then in turn destroy the mind of her people. Do we want to talk about all the Kuatoa class system?
0: Yes. Absolutely. So, as far as the ruling society of Kuatoas, they are ruled by an archpriest. That's uh, the Five E Monster Manual tells us they're ruled by an archpriest, and that their enforcers are called the monitors. Uh, in Kuatoa society, whips are what are known as the warriors in Kuatoa society. Which, to me, Neil, I don't know if like you get that same impression, but by the fact that they're called whips, I imagine that this is almost like a whip as far as their own people that they, they belittle their own people and whip the lower Kuatoa into submission and into doing the work of the working class and the warriors kind of lead by strength. But the monitors are specifically the enforcing warriors of the archpriest. Now I think that for me, I go, well, maybe different societies have multiple archpriests, But I also then question, maybe there's a reason why there's only one archpriest, because if we're talking about a society of creatures that are completely insane, I don't know if three archpriests would ever be able to lead together. I feel like eventually it would become one archpriest leading because the other two would be killed somehow in some sort of battle of wills against each other. The whips. Terrifying.
1: Absolutely terrifying. So, sorry, I got I got too distracted by the fact that the whips are actually the children of the archpriest. And when the archpriest dies, they all fight each other until one is left and they are now the archpriest.
0: (laughs) That is fantastic (laughs) and terrible.
1: So we've got we've got that going on.
0: Well, that, and that to me makes it sound like the Kuatoa society kind of has its own like underlying sense of keeping their populations down so that they don't just spread out into the Underdark and take over everything. If these people just fight amongst themselves for power and <laughs> that's crazy.
1: Uh, yeah, see the, wh- the whips do have a little bit of the spellcasting ability.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, no, they do. But then it's got the Kuatoa if you look on the I don't know if you have the monster manual in front of you, but it's so if on the first page it's got variant Kuatoa monitor. And the monitor is better. It is stronger than the whip. It's a challenge rating of three. Multi-attack. So it looks like the whips are like they are. I would imagine that a monitor is a whip. It is just a whip that has been trained better and is under the rule, specifically enforcing the archpriest.
1: Yeah, which I think that's why, I think I get why they're referred to more as monks, because it says monitors are deadly hand-to-hand combatants, and lesser Kuatoa live in fear of
0: them. Yeah, for me, you know, earlier we were talking about um, society of Kuatoa and wondering about, like, having multiple gods and stuff. I like, now I'm starting to, like, retract on that and go, I don't know if their minds would be able to handle more than one god at a time more than one archpriest at a time, I don't think that there would be a harmony between gods and between archpriests in the society. I think that they almost need as a people the rule of one person, one Toa, Whether the and that the rule's always going to be awful. We know that. But, like, multiple orders coming at them would just confuse these people and drive them further, I feel like, into madness.
1: Yeah, and I think it would be the kind of thing where, you know, in a in a world where we know that deities exist and they give power and things like that we can we could definitely say that the sea mother is the deity of all Kuatoa, but i would be more than willing to say that each tribe you go to could have a totally different name for yes. what they think their deity is and it could be even the kind of thing where it's like okay the archpriest dies murder death show for who the new archpriest is and then that Archpriest says, Okay, now we serve so and so. The power is still going to come down from Bilbdulpoop and the Sea Mother. <laughs> but they all say, Now it's this new person because we have this new archpriest and they know better and they know best and we'll follow whatever they say.
0: Well, oh, yeah. And and they could all call their god Bilbdulpoop. But in the end, like, who, this is a created god by a people of insanity. When you spread the people out, when you have different groups being led by different archpriests, who is it that determines what the will of Bilbduplup is? It is these archpriests. And let's be honest, a lot of them are going to be coming up with rules and laws and uh, ways of this god that are just coming from their own mind, coming from their own desires, um, their own fears. And so it is going to be different from society to society. And makes me wonder like if there are wars like between the Kuatoa themselves. Maybe that they are not even like so much of a factor uh to the other races of the underdark because they're fighting underwater battles all the time in these giant underdark lakes and these giant underdark oceans between themselves they're so focused on like crusades and holy wars against this other Kuatoa clan that says that Bilb-Doo-Ploop likes this when we know that Bilb-Doo-Ploop likes this yeah
1: it does seem interesting that like one of their motivations would definitely be their hate for surface dwellers and having pushed them into the sea long long ago but it doesn't feel like to me that there would be any way that they're ever going to get that back like i just can't envision (laughs) like this widespread (laughs) Kuotoa revolution where they all end up working together because i just cannot see something that would be able to bring them
0: all together (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and that is completely ruined once one archpriest dies and all of the whips and the monitors start fighting amongst each other <laughs> and killing each other. Harmony, gone. Let's talk about this Leviathan. Let's talk about the Kuatoa Leviathan because uh, be there isn't a lot written about the Leviathan beyond the fact that it is a huge, and we're talking D&D terms huge, monstrosity created in honor of Bilb herself. But this is it is literally a giant of a kua toa And there is this one fantastic image online that you can find of it bursting out of the water and attacking this adventuring party on a small ship.
1: Yeah. Wow. There's one sentence in the cut.
0: Yeah, there's nothing. So basically we can come up with our own mind of what what exactly this thing is. So, Neil, what are your thoughts on the Kuatoa Leviathan? Like, there isn't a lot written about it. So, if you were going to put one into your world, is there any sort of lore or any sort of purpose that you would have around this Kuatoa Leviathan creature? And is there only one? Or is there one for each group?
1: I would would almost want to say that it would depend on, like, the strength of the group. Both from, like, their, like, religious fervor is kind of the term that is... Tossed around inside of the monster manual. And I think that it would be amazing to do something that it almost makes me think of like a mer creature where like the back half kind of is more of that tail rather than just like a <laughs> rather than just having a huge <laughs> kuatoa. Toa. But I think... Yeah, I think it would almost be that once a group of Kuatoa are powerful enough that they are blessed essentially with a leviathan that gets to, that helps protect them and that they can also send to murder everything because Kuatoa.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like it even being in that sense of <laughs> this is a creature that maybe dwells under the city of the Kuatoa that it like it lives amongst and on a day-to-day basis it's you know, their people are sending it food, which in my mind would be a Kuwaitwa every single day, <laughs> like sacrifice the weakest Kuatoa to the Kuatoa Leviathan. But in times of trouble when another warring Kuatoa group comes to fight them because of their religious beliefs in blub blue bloop. bloop, bloop Or when it's some other race that comes to fight them, that they ring this big old underwater gong or they blow this conch shell. And this giant Kuatoa Leviathan like awakens and comes and just decimates everything. And I also like the idea of, because this is a group steeped in madness, that this Kuatoa Leviathan does not discriminate between kuatoa that are the enemy and kuatoa that are the allies so the allies have to rush into their homes and uh-huh. hide because it'll just destroy everything in its path
1: yeah the other way i thought was you because know, again tying back to you know, in this religious fervor being i mean they have a theocratic system that they even base their entire societies on that it could also be like in their time of troubles that they do this specialized kuatoa leviathan ritual and the archpriest transforms into that
0: leviathan Ooh, and then all the whips fight
1: (laughs) yes immediately we can't forget about that (laughs) no no immediately they fight they figure out which one but they got to figure out who the next leviathan will be because they needed two leviathans
0: well and then the leviathan as the whips are fighting is just reaching down and picking up the dead and throwing it into its mouth and that's part of the process of it getting larger to that size Mm. Oh, that's, I like this. That's what I was going to ask you is how does, how does a Kuotoa Leviathan get created? Like if Ploop is not a real God, like where does this power come from to create this crazy creature? And I like that, like there is some sort of magical ritual that the archpriest himself like becomes it. And it's even like you brought up Cthulhu, lore before i love the idea of it just like sprouting from its its old skin and bursting forth from within yeah
1: terrifyingly so And anyway yeah, and that can of course be what your players are trying to prevent because who's to say where that kind of ritual has to happen it could be on the ancient altar that is actually still back on land and i mean or you could have to the delight of rich howard Every time you start an underwater campaign, Rich Howard gets a smile. He doesn't know why. He just smiles in the comfort of his own home.
0: <laughs> Every time a bell rings, an angel gets a yeah. swings. <laughs> like, yeah, he, same thing. You don't even have to tell Rich Howard. He just smiles. If he's smiling, that's ah. why.
1: <laughs> ah, an underwater campaign has started somewhere. Good. <laughs> but you could also have it be part of an underwater campaign, and that could be what you're trying to stop. And I think it would be really interesting to essentially have to sneak in during the heat of battle. Between these rival Kuatoa clans, just to stop the ritual that will cause more havoc than the battle itself.
0: Neil, I wanna I wanna wrap up our discussion on the Kuatoa by talking about ideas about them living in the Underdark itself and what their civilizations look like. Because we don't get a lot of description of their civilizations from the 5e Monster Manual or from anything that I was able to find on the internet of what does their where do they live? What does their environment look like? So I'd like for us to talk about kind of to, to brainstorm, like if we were going to make Kuotoa Society in our own games, what would it look like? Where would you put them? Like, we know that they live in the Underdark and we know that they're fish people, so they have to be around water. But beyond that, what does this look like? Yes,
1: I've been thinking about it and there's a couple of ways that it would have to happen because if they're in the Underdark, there needs to be a certain amount of water or at least a certain amount of active water, I guess would be another good term for it. Because if it's not large enough, it's not going to be able to support a people of fish people rather and whatever they need to eat. So if it was a giant lake, I think it could work. The other thing I thought of was what if wherever they are in the Underdark is close enough to access to the ocean so that they could still kind of come out and then you could justify this is where they live, but they can go out into the ocean and get whatever they need to survive that way.
0: And maybe even raid beaches where surface dwellers live.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because it's another interesting thing. We we always think about how the Underdark connects in these deep, caverns that dwarves have built and these like just random cave in the woods and eventually ends up in the underdark but like the ocean goes way down the last time i checked and it's another could be another easy access point into the underdark so i think that would be where i would want to have them and you could definitely have some interesting mechanics by doing that because it's like oh yeah well we're gonna break this wall and the ocean's gonna come in Mm. (laughs)
0: I like the idea of their their cities, their towns, their civilizations being in underwater caverns that have filled up with water and having, kind of like we, what you were saying, having this tunnel network spreading out from them so they can get to other areas of the Underdark, but also there being tunnels that lead up to the surface world so that they can get into the greater ocean and then if they want to, Raid um, and attack the surface dwellers. Of course, they're going to want to do this at night because they are sensitive to sunlight. But I mean, that makes it even better. Come under the cover of darkness. That's the better way to attack the surface world, anyway. Yeah. An- another idea I had. I actually did this in a campaign once. Is I had a society of Kuatoa living inside of a kraken. So what would happen oh, okay. is the adventurers got swallowed by this kraken and inside there was like, this is, I'm talking about take the regular D and D kraken and times it by 10. Like that's the size of this oh, thing. Yeah. And so they got inside of this thing and they find shipwreck after shipwreck after shipwreck. And these Kua who lived inside, they would capture whatever people got eaten by this kraken and they, the god that they worshipped, was actually the back throat hole of the kraken, and so they would sacrifice the people into the throat, and it was fantastic. Uh, it was a, it was a great, great time, and it ended with the adventurers bursting out of the kraken and figuring out that it was the throat hole and having to fight all these kua toa. But it was a bloodthirsty society that just was like, oh, the god. The god summons these creatures to be his food. We have to feed this god of ours. Oh, wow.
1: So good. Crazy, crazy (laughs) Kuatua. And that's that's the thing is like you can always have whatever kind of setup you want with them because you can always have that basis of like a broken mind and the assumption that this is the thing we do because this is the thing we're supposed to do. All of us believe it. We are given power to do it through that belief. And there's nothing that's going to stop us. Well, except your adventuring party. But until then, nothing will stop us. <laughs> So that's all we have for you today here on the Dungeon Masters block. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Kuo-Toa and the ever difficult to say bilb pulp and the, <laughs> the joy that was that experience and whatever outtakes we produced because of it. But if you wanted to give us an email and talk about the crazy ways you've used Kuotoa in your game, you can always head over and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and if you want to give us a review on itunes you can always do that and we will read all the five star reviews that we get on a later episode and we're also kind of running out so you should totally do that and then get us over 300 and then when you do we're gonna address like characters from 300 and talk
0: about on it on our podcast yep <laughs> trust us we will yep anyway Clearly audio medium <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places have updates about the show and all around D&D goodness. We have a Patreon member shout out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout out goes to Nicholas Nicholas Borden. Thank you so much, Nicholas Borden. Nicholas is a silver dragon. So Nicholas, enjoy those bonus podcasts. Watch enjoy out. the uh, monster a week that I've been putting out. Uh, enjoy watching DM workshops. We hope that you enjoy everything that we're putting out for you as Patreon dragons.
1: Definitely. And as always, the dungeon masters blog is a proud member of the block party podcast network where you can go over and check out our other shows like the GM showcase geek wars, we're so bad at adventuring, and more. And that's it for the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God,
0: killing characters,
1: and lowering the ego of all the people at the table. I'm Dungeon Master Neil. Good night and good luck. So we are excited, or no? I'm supposed to say something more along the lines of. That's why I realized I didn't want to segue in there. So don't listen to me. Oh wow, there's some inappropriate drawings. This is a build. Cool. <laughs> 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 don't look oh at my, my search history. Um, yeah, the and essentially the. Ah, uh, well, I'll try it again blib oh is it blib or blib <laughs> <laughs> blibdleep b- ploop dual ploop blob oh, bl- eh, whatever or poop <laughs> i'm not
0: doing it <laughs> these are some yep. <laughs> these are some great outtakes yeah
1: <laughs> goodbye